There we go. Hey, and uh, welcome to the delicious recipe here on UPRN. I got Big Jim there coming back on. And uh, we are uh, out of uh, New Orleans. If you're watching, you can be checking us out on the UFO Paranormal Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio. That's the UPRN site. And uh, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials. And all the other uh, uh, sites there, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeart. Uh, any anywhere else that uh, podcasts are played by uh, UPRN, and this is the day after my birthday. I turned uh, fifty-two on twenty-five. So uh, anybody that's into numerology, genealogy, uh, astronomy, and stuff like that, maybe they might figure out uh, what those numbers might mean. But uh, and plus, I'm a Gemini too. There, but uh, tonight there got back here, uh, Big Jim Paris there, uh, my old. Uh, prospecting boss from before and uh we've been talking about really interesting stories of uh mining in uh, ontario manitoba and uh this one is going to deal with uh a part of ontario the northeastern part uh timmins area where shania twain's from down to toronto and down to buffalo new, new york area with some really uh interesting characters and big jim's holding up a picture that if you can uh, see there that's the the northern miner and uh, welcome, Big Jim, and tell us what you're holding up. Yeah, well, uh, there's a big symposium going on in Timmins. It's just booming right now for a gold town. Uh, Timmins and Kirkland Lake, uh, even up in uh, Thunder Bay here, where they're opening a new mine. And uh, Sorry, that's my, that's my fault. I just had the other part on there. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Timmins and Kirkland Lake, big gold mining centers right now. The price of gold is great. And they're going to have a big symposium. Uh, uh, a lot of mining companies going to be there. A lot of uh, companies that, uh, you know, sell hy hydraulic equipment for mining. And uh, this is going to be June 8th to 9th. And you're right, Timmins, Ontario, Shania Twain. W whenever I say Timmins, people say, do you know Shania? Of <laughs> course, of course. Yeah. Actually, and what, what, her, her stepfather, what, Gary Twain. Wait, wait, and what was her what was her real name before she became Shania? Uh, Elaine. Elaine, that's right. They, Elaine they, Twain. They, Eileen. I, I Eileen or <laughs> anyway. Okay, but go go on there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 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 doing a mining story here today uh, that originated out of Timmins. It's a pretty wild story, and. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope Rocky's not watching because if he is, he might be looking for me still. Even though <laughs> well, do, you don't have to worry about that because I got Hey You here. He's uh, minding the ones and twos, and he's the protection guy there for the show. So uh, we're we're all good for that there. And he's a little small little guy. He's, he's a rock and roll guy, but also uh, he's also uh, deals with uh, minerals and uh, mining. Awesome. Yeah. So this this story is going to be about. Uh, uh, bags of silver and this is a sample that a mine manager gave me down in cobalt one time when i worked at the college there and yeah. you can see the uh the oxidation the purple color that, that's indicative of cobalt and you can see the metal this is very rich 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 right out of the vein of yeah. cobalt there'll be some silver with this too but cobalt is a town where they mined tons and tons of silver over the years and it's right. booming again too everything's booming right now so good and, on and, what, and what would you figure is the reason for that is that because of uh technology that uh they need these minerals or is it for the the new smart cars or anything like that would you th think 
Well, uh, the gold isn't needed. Uh, the, you know, lithium and the rare earth metals are what are needed for uh, all this new technology that's coming along. And uh, I see that uh, I'm a little disappointed in the Canadian government because they let the Chinese buy that uh, lithium uh, mine at Burnick Lake in Manitoba. And the Chinese are shipping uh, lithium right now back to China. And I'm like, you know, that's a Canadian asset. We should be looking after it ourselves. But anyways, that yeah. doesn't affect our story today. No, oh, no, no, no. This is, uh, we're going into uh, dealing with, uh, I, like I call it the OPP Buffalo Stakes. You call it the Silver to Buffalo story. And uh, they, they both ring true in this whole thing. So let's start off at the beginning. How does this start off? Well, uh, I was uh, playing in a band uh, out of Timmins called, the band was called The Fallen Leaves, and uh, working with my dad, we were working for the Guggenheim family out of New York City, and every year they would fund us, and we were working up around Moosonee where the diamonds uh, ended up being found. We were, we were close to finding them. We did find a columbium deposit, uh, which another company has right now. And uh, of course, mainly we were looking for base metals as a result of the uh, huge Kid Creek ore body that was found just north of Timmins. So, you know, we're talking 1968 here when mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of my buddies approached me and said, uh, hey, I need 200 bucks. I said, yeah, 200 bucks for what? 200 bucks right. was a fair bit of change back in those days. <laughs> right. 1968, said, 200 bucks is the, a lot. That's that's almost what you have to pay for a, a, a liter of gas right now in uh, Canada. <laughs> so this uh, fellow by the name of Barry, Barry Ainsworth came up to me and he said, I need 200 bucks. I said, what do you need 200 bucks for? He said, I got something cooking. There's a guy flying into town and uh, he and I are going to do something together. And I said, well, is there money to be made here? And he said, yeah, do you want in? I said, well, if I'm going to lend you 200 bucks, I think I better ride shotgun on the situation. So right, right. I, I lent him the 200 bucks. And uh, he said, we're going to go and meet Morris at the Bonaire Motel. And I said, okay, well, let's go. So we went over to the Bonaire. And I was a little shocked when I walked in the room. This guy had a uh, holster strapped around his body like you see on TV with the detectives and he yeah. had a handgun in the in the holster and I'm like uh, hello Barry uh, who is this guy so he introduced me and he said uh, that uh, this was the guy that he was going to do the deal with I'm like what deal is that so we talked it over and uh, uh, this Morris told me that what we were doing was there was uh, three bags of silver from that had been uh, mined or stolen or wherever it, it came from cobalt anyways is what he said right and that we that uh you know we had to make a deal with another person to go and get the silver and then we, we were we were supposed to transport <laughs> it down to buffalo new york right right where the uh big niagara falls and the american falls is yeah yeah well that's so, a, that's the thing there is that so we're, we're looking at that's about uh, Timmins, all, or the part of the northeastern, coming all the way down to Buffalo. There, it's, it's basically almost like a straight drop right down there through Toronto and that uh, down to the Golden Horseshoe, which they call the Golden Horseshoe down there, where everything is going on. So that's like about eight hours, you'd figure, eh? Yeah, eight-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Here's a picture. Uh, we're crossing the bridge at Latchford and uh, Barry and uh, Dave are looking at the river there. And uh, we were driving my 59 Chrysler. I believe that's what the car it was. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we had just passed through uh, Cobalt where the silver was actually from. And we, we were supposed to have the silver with us. But the story behind that is uh, we went and met another fella that uh, Boris knew. <laughs> and uh, he said, have you got the money? And Boris said, yeah, we got the money. Okay, well, here's the deal. Tonight, we're going to go and drive in this uh, boro pit, gravel pit, and uh, there's three bags of this silver buried there. And we're, I'm like, what? This is sort of sounds a little far out. And he said, you guys wait for us at the entrance there. Uh, we're going to drive in, dig it up, we'll bring it out. We'll throw it in the trunk of your car real quick, and then you're gone. I was intending to go down to Toronto to buy some musical equipment for the band anyways. Dave, yeah. Dave, our drummer, Dave Van Leuven, wanted to go along. And uh, and Barry, of course, was uh, supposed to be uh, making some money off of this. So uh, we we get all packed up. We're all ready to go. Gas up the car. Uh, gas was at least a reasonable price in those days. <laughs> and uh, we go back to the uh, Peacock Garden and we meet up with Mr. X, who I had no idea who this fellow was, and Morris. And uh, Barry and I meet with him. Dave's in the car. And now it's pitch black. We drive out to the gravel pit. They drive into the, well, Barry gave uh, Morris and Mr. X the, uh, the cash, $400. And they Wait. drive in and we're waiting, waiting for them to come out. They don't come out. So we're like, after half an hour, we're like, well, where are they? Are they having trouble digging? Maybe they can't find the bags of silver. Maybe somebody dug them up already. So we right. drive in there, look around, shine my headlights all around in the gravel pit. There's nobody there. So finally, I drove over by a bank there, and I could see these tracks went right up the bank. I, I couldn't believe anybody could drive up a bank that steep, about 70 degrees. And I climbed up there with my headlight shining and there's an old bush road there. So they had gone in there, uh, driven up the bank and down the bush road and turned off their lights. And, and so we didn't see them come out of there. So that was when we knew we'd been scammed. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the $400. There was no, no bags of silver that we ever saw. All right. But our mission was to deliver these to Rocky at Rocky's bar in Buffalo. And Rocky had already put up money with Morris to fly Morris up to Timmins. So now uh, we're getting pretty antsy. Uh, right. Rocky, I, I, guess, I guess the part out of this is that for people that are listening is that now you guys are associated with, you're supposed to have possession, but somebody's gone and double scooped you and basically conned you out of money and stolen away with the silver. Well, that's that was the situation at the time. Yeah. If, in fact, yeah. there ever was any silver. I mean, I, I guess probably I'll never know. But all I know is that I had uh, Mr. X there. We'll call him Mr. X for now. He yeah. had uh, phoned Rocky and I'd been on the phone with Rocky. Barry had talked to Rocky and he says, yeah, I'm waiting for you guys to bring me the silver. I gave Morris the money to fly up there and make a deal with Mr. X. And yeah. uh, so he said, uh, I'll be glad when you deliver it. Now, this silver was worth a fair bit of money. I'm guessing maybe about uh, eight or ten thousand dollars. Okay, and this we, is back in 1968 time there. Yeah, where uh, where 
precious metals were a little bit different than they are today. Yeah, well, you know, I think Mr. X was buying this silver because he had a feeling that silver was going to go up. And, of course, when the Hunt brothers tried to corner the silver market, it went up okay. to $50 an ounce. Mm -hmm. Even our money, our, our Canadian coins had so much silver in them, like a quarter mm -hmm. had so much silver that it was worth uh, worth a dollar just for, yeah. the, you know, melt it down to get the silver out. Right, right. Yeah, I, I remember that whole thing. They did that in uh, high school there. Anybody that had any uh, coins or quarters that were before 1965, they were almost pure silver. Yeah. Or something like or 65 or 63, somewhere around there anyways. But anyways, let's uh, continue on there. Sorry for uh, stopping you in the middle of your story. No, there. that's fine. No problem. So the, the point is that nobody came out with the three sacks of silver. These guys have to drive up that bank and disappear down this bush road. I mean, it looked like we were, we'd got scammed. So I was not too happy with Barry because I, you know, I'm figure he's, he, how's he going to pay me back for uh, my $200? Mm -hmm. So uh, we went back to uh, Timmins and we drove all around and looked for Mr. X and uh, Morris. Couldn't find them anywhere. They weren't at the Chinese restaurant. So we drove over to the Bonaire Motel. Uh, Rainy Vinecourt, I've told you that story before, how he used to run along the roof and listen in at the, yeah, right, right, right. the bathroom. <laughs> he could hear every word going on in those in those uh, rooms. Right. So we get there and uh, no sign of Morris. Uh, the room is, uh, is uh, wide open and we go in and uh, we're, we're talking this over and we're sort of in shock. What, you know, what's happening here? Did did something, did we miss something or why did, you know, what, how can this be a scam? What about Rocky? He's not going to be very happy when, if we get down there, we better go and tell him that we got scammed and hope throw our, throw ourselves at his mercy. Right, right. So we, we thought, you know what, Morris, will, Morris needs to talk to us. So we, we grabbed the TV, we grabbed the radio, we grabbed the, uh, the, the, a few other fixtures in the room and we threw them in my car right. we drove out to South Porcupine put them in the trunk of Roger Perro's 53 Monarch Roger owed me 500 bucks we were playing in a band together called the Voodoos and he needed money so I lent him 500 bucks and uh, he gave me that uh, 53 Monarch for security it was in pretty nice shape so we put the, the articles in the trunk of the uh, Monarch and we yeah. hit the road. We hit the road for Toronto. Yeah. So finally we got into Toronto. And uh, by that time, it was uh, like we'd left around uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. So it was early morning, had some breakfast, and then we headed out for uh, for Rocky's Bar in Buffalo. And we okay, got to yeah. the, uh, I think they call it the Freedom Bridge. It's some it's some bridge that goes over to uh, there's several yep. bridges around Niagara Falls there that go over to Buffalo, New York. Yep. And uh, we got to the customs and they said, OK, let's see some ID. So I was fine. I showed them my ID. OK, yeah, Jamesy, you're OK. Uh, who's this guy? Well, this is Barry. OK, he shows his ID. Uh, they run him. Sorry, criminal record. <coughs> I'm like. <laughs> Barry, you never told me that criminal record. Well, it's a story, uh, it's a sad story, blah, blah, blah. And that'll come out later in the story. Yeah. So, and Dave Van Leuven, our uh, drummer, who was just sort of really innocent in all this, 
he was a he wasn't a, a naturalized citizen of Canada. He was born in Holland and he came over, and uh, his his dad worked at the Domex mine, so he couldn't get. I'm the only guy that could get across. Well, I didn't really want to go to Rocky's bar and talk to Rocky myself because this wasn't even my idea to begin with. I just <laughs> put 200 bucks in it. <laughs> so we drive back over to, to Canada, but turn around and drive back to Canada. And we drop, drop Dave off at this hotel that was close to the, the falls there. And yep. uh, that's the picture here. Uh, here's Barry peering down into the gorge. And, right, uh, right. Here's uh, Dave and uh, Dave and Barry. We're up in the. Uh, there's a big uh, rotating tower there that where you can you know, you can it, like it's like a bar restaurant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so, uh, that's in the Niagara Falls area, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now Barry and I uh, go back to the customs, and but we go to a different bridge because we couldn't get across. You know, we obviously weren't going to get across that same bridge. We probably would have got in trouble if we'd have tried to cross that. So yeah. they didn't yeah. ask us any questions at the other bridge. Now we're in Buffalo. We drive around. Uh, somebody tells us, yeah, well, Rockies is down in a bit of a seedy part of town. And we had a couple of buddies, Terry Kuzik uh, from Harry's Menswear uh, in Timmins and uh, Diamond Jim Brady. And they both had adventures down in Buffalo. And they'd been telling us about these adventures where they actually, somebody shot at them and uh, we're like, uh, ooh, ooh, you know, we don't know about this. So yeah. we fi finally find Rocky's bar. We go in, we asked the bartender, there wasn't very many people in there. And uh, we said, uh, is Rocky here? He says, nope, Rocky's not here. Well, well, we'll wait. No, well, there's no use waiting. He's at the races. We're like, what races is that? Horse races. Okay. Well, we really need to talk to Rocky and explain something to him. And the bartender says, well, you can tell me. Well, no, no, we're not telling anybody but Rocky. So uh, Ainsworth is arguing with the, Barry's arguing with the uh, bartender that we, you know, we really need to see Rocky. And yeah. I'm looking at the bottles of booze behind the, I see a, a jug of uh, Canadian club there. And I'm yeah. looking at all these different brands and different kinds of booze. And all at once I see this little trap trap door there slide open and these beady eyes look out at me <laughs> oh my god and i'm pretty sure that was rocky because yeah. the bartender had gone back and he came back and he said no rocky's uh, can't talk to you he's at the he's at the races and i'm yeah. like who's that who's that looking out at us yeah. and the bartender just he didn't realize that i'd seen this eyes and yeah. he said oh my god he, he made some exclamation mark and yeah. And right away, we decided that, you know what, we weren't sticking around. So we tore out of the bar, jumped in the car and took off because uh, we had uh, bad vibes. Yeah. Did you, so you know, did in. you ever, did you ever find out who this Rocky was? Well, I mean, he, he, the bar was named after him. He was a real guy. No, we never really found out who he was, but we knew that he had money in the deal. And, and he was, uh, when, he might have been, when a guy been connected might have might have been connected or something like that like uh well come on i i imagine you're yeah, right i'm i'm sort of trying to paint the picture for the listeners out there that this uh <laughs> a very very seedy maybe uh a low low level person that uh had sort of a uh, a little part of uh something there but could probably do bad things because he knew other people 
<laughs> well, all I know is uh, when you can't get to meet Rocky and explain your story to him, and then somebody peeps out through a peephole there and looks at you, yeah, <laughs> it makes you pretty nervous. Oh, no doubt. So we jumped back in the car. We took off. We drove across the bridge. <coughs> Pardon me. We went and picked up Dave, and we drove back into uh, Toronto. Right. So we were in Toronto about half an hour. We were parked in front of the cock door where Ronnie Hawkins played. And yeah. I knew Bo Diddley was playing there. And I really wanted to see Bo Diddley. And Dave, of course, our drummer, wanted to see him. I did a song in the band. with uh, It started off with Bo Diddley. And then I, I backed it with Who Do You Love? Mm -hmm. And uh, <coughs> it turned into be like a half hour set song where the guys would do this. Uh, the lead guitar player would play a phenomenal break for 10 minutes, and then I'd sing, hey, Bo Diddley. Yeah, yeah. And then, then we'd do, uh, who do you love? You know, walk 47 miles of barbed wire, got a cobra skin for a necktie. I live yeah. in a house by the roadside, right. made out of rattlesnake hide. A big, long, 25-minute uh, long jam session. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So yeah. we're back in Toronto. We're parked in front of the cock door, and... Uh, we're waiting to, you know, for the, the to get in there. Bo, Bo Diddley set was going to start around eight o'clock, whatever. And all at once, there's a cop on horseback. Yeah. There's two beat cops and there's two squad cars surround us. And we're like, <laughs> what's happening? So <clears throat> they searched the car, look in the trunk. I got a couple of old guitars in there. I was mm -hmm. intending to buy some new stuff at uh, Long and McQuaid's. And uh, they ask us some weird questions. Where are you guys from? Timmins. Okay. <coughs> what do you know about the uh, stuff being stolen from the Bonaire Motel? Nothing. <laughs> we don't know anything. <laughs> so they let us go. So we, we tuned in with Bo Diddley there, and he, it, it was pretty cool. He had his sister with him, the Duchess. And Ronnie did a set. Bo Diddley did some music with his band <coughs> I should have you okay there jim <laughs> i'm gonna live i'm gonna live okay <laughs> well i got out of rocky's bar so i feel yeah. pretty good about that yeah. anyways we go to our hotel and we barry had checked this in there and we go up to the room and we throw the mattress you know the old trick about three guys staying in one room paying for <laughs> for one guy to stay there yeah, yeah, exactly. Throw the mattress on the floor. Dave crashes on the mattress. Barry and I crash on the bed. Pretty soon we hear bang, bang, bang. What's happening? I get up, open the door. Here's more cops. They come ripping into the place. And they said, uh, okay, what's your name? I said, Jim. They said, well, where's Abe Freeman? I said, who? They said, Abe Freeman, the guy <laughs> this room's registered to. I don't know. Who the hell's Abe Freeman? They get Barry. What's your name? Barry. Well, you're not Abe Freeman either. And we had to show ID who we were. Right. So they say now there's only one guy left. Dave's sleeping in his gotchies on the floor there. <laughs> or on the mattress, pardon me. And uh, uh, the one cop grabs him by the gotchies and rips him half off and hoists him up a bit. And he says, okay, Freeman, come on. We want to talk to you. And Dave says, like, who the heck is Abe Freeman? And mm -hmm. they they said, well, you must be Abe Freeman because those guys aren't. And, and, and Dave is just totally bewildered. 
<laughs> Abe Freeman is. So then they look in my wallet and they find my gun license and they say, oh, tough guy, you pack a gun, eh? I said, no, I don't pack a gun, but I'm a prospector. I work in the bush. There's bears in the bush. And yeah. so I have a permit to carry when I'm working in the bush only, not to bring down to Toronto. Yeah. So they said, you know what? You guys are coming down to Station 55 to be questioned. So right there and then I thought, up until this point, apart from the Rocky thing, then getting escaping from Rocky justice, yeah. I thought ever this was sort of a bit of a, but when they said we're going to be questioned at uh, 55, and you know about 55 and 52. Yeah, uh, 55 and 52, those are ones that you always wanted to sort of stay away from. And there was, a, I, I told you the story earlier, there there was a, uh, there was a whole expose on the, they called them the, the Cherry Beach Police down in Toronto. So oh, the yeah. people that people that were sort of uh, uh, gave police a hard time because, like, you know what? There there is a lot of really really nice cops out there, but then there's a lot of uh, ones that think that they uh, run the world. And so they used to take them down to this place around Cherry Beach where there was no lights for about two kilometers, and that'd be about a mile and a half for the rest of the people out there that are still working with Imperial. And they would just take you out of the car, handcuffed, and beat the living heck out of you and then throw you back in the car and then bring you down to the station, throw you in the cell and says, you resisted arrest. Right. So that was, that was that little part of that story, but that's, so, that's, that's, that's for another time. But anyway, so we get down to 55 and they take us up to the interrogation rooms and they got Dave in one room and Barry and I in a, another room. And uh, the, the policeman comes in and he says, uh, okay, I want you guys to empty your pockets. So we empty everything out, our wallets, our uh, change and everything onto the table. And then for some reason, oh, I know what, uh, he had to talk to one of the other policemen in the other room. So he goes mm -hmm. out and all at once Barry looks at me and he says, oh my God. He said, I can't believe this. He said, uh, I must have taken this key out of the room. He's got a key for the Bonaire Motel. And oh, jeez. <laughs> we pretty well got it figured out that, uh, you know, the stuff that we took out of the Bonaire Motel has got to be why these guys are on our case. Because they didn't uh -huh. know anything about Rocky or the silver. We, we told them the, what the whole scam was about. They didn't know anything about that and they didn't care. But boy, they were, uh, the Timmins police must have phoned them and said, these guys boosted this stuff out of uh, the Bonaire Motel room. Yeah. And there, and there, there. Now you have a guy there that has the key to the room that stuff was taken. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I told Barry, I says, "Give me that key." So I grabbed the key and I stuck it in my sock. So he came back and he said, "Did you empty everything out of your pockets?" "Yes, sir, we did." He didn't say anything about it. Did we empty out our socks? Right. So I was telling the truth. And so Barry decides he's going to mouth off to this guy. He had quite a protruding nose. And he, yeah. uh, he gets mad and he calls this, this guy, uh, can I say it on TV? You, you can call him Peckernose, yes. Yeah, he calls this guy Peckernose. I'm Barry, like, are you nuts? You can't, you know, insult a cop like that. He, it's not good, uh, good uh, poetry. So right. the cop grabs him, takes him in the other room. And next thing I hear Barry moaning and groaning and screaming and ye yelling, he's getting a beating. And he still had the authority, he still has the audacity to call this guy. He says, "I'm going to get even with you, Pecker Nose." And I'm like, oh. 
you can't beat any sense into this guy. <laughs> that's right. He probably beated the name into his uh, brain. No, yeah. that's all he can think about. <laughs> so, anyways, they, uh, you know, they they had nothing on us, and they finally let us go. So we go back to the hotel. We crash. Uh, we spent a day or two in Toronto. I bought some uh, some musical equipment, and Dave wanted to get you know get some uh, new drums. So we pack all this in the car. We take off back to heading up the, the highway there to to Barrie, and then no pun intended, and then uh, North Bay. And we get to North Bay. It's pitch dark out there, ten o'clock at night, and uh, the OPP pull us over. And so we get pulled over. They search the car. They find the guitars. They find the the stuff we bought in Toronto. Yeah. And they they don't say anything to us about why we got pulled over. They just but they let us go. So mm-hmm. we get back to uh, Timmins. We drop uh, Dave off out at the Domex mine, and Barry and I drive into. Uh, by that time, it's the next morning. We drive mm-hmm. into Timmins because we're driving on. There's a main highway, and then there's a back road that goes into Timmins. Right. So yeah. We drive down the main street, bam, two cruisers pull us over. Okay, you guys <laughs> you guys are going to the police the station. Hoos- you so guys are going go to the Hooskow. The Hooskow. <laughs> so yeah. uh, anyways, we get over to the uh, Hooskow, and uh, Barry starts acting up again and calling mm. them, you know, saying things to these cops. So he goes in a room again with them, and bam, bam, bam. And he's, I can hear him yelling, I'm... Barry, can you never learn your lesson you <laughs> up to policemen? Not yeah. a good idea. Yeah. So, and I'm being, you know, pretty polite myself because I don't want to get a beating again. I already yeah. had one beating from the Timmins police the year before. So, anyways, finally they uh, they decide that uh, Barry's going to jail, and that they take me in and they're going to fingerprint me. And like, I really don't want to be fingerprinted. So the guy's holding my hand and he's pressing it down on the ink pad. And I said, you know what? I want to talk to the head guy, the head detective here. So they go and get the head detective, a fellow by name of Angelo. And uh, I said, I'd like to talk to you privately, sir. Okay. And we go in a room, just the two of us. And I said, listen, this is what happened to us. We're innocent people we got scammed by mr x by morris and we went down to rocky's bar to make things right with rocky and tell him what happened so that he didn't come looking for us in timmins yeah and i mean he's already sent morris a guy with a gun up to timmins whatever yeah we don't want to get on the bad side of rocky so uh how's our time 10 to 7 35 okay so yeah no we got you got time there yeah yeah we're good so yeah. uh, Angelo says to me, he says, well, that's quite a story. He said, you expect me to believe that story? And I said, well, I sure hope so, because every word is true. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, okay, well, what about this stuff from the Bon Air? Uh, that's the, he says, I'm not very happy about that stuff disappearing. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't know really, you know, what happened, who took it, but uh, I might be able to retrieve it, get it back to you. He says, well, there's a few other things I'm not very happy about. And we didn't know that uh, the Bonaire people had phoned the police. Well, we were we were figuring it out pretty quick. Right. That the police had checked out the the room and it was registered to this uh, Morris. And they got out to the airport and grabbed him. And I guess they got his 
I don't know if the gun was legal or not, but they had him in jail in Timmins. That's why you couldn't find Morris in Toronto because he was already in jail in Timmins when you just left. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, anyways, uh, so what happened was, I guess there was some kind of an incident and something got left in the room uh, from a romantic encounter. And, and Angela was like really upset about that. I okay, well, I'll, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. It was a, a used condom full of semen that was there. And dealing with the police were very Catholic at the time. So this really upset them. I'll, I'll say it. I'll take the blame all on myself for the part all of right, the story. All right. Well, thank yeah. you. Appreciate yeah. that. So uh, I like and we didn't have a clue then that this guy was uh, Dave's cousin and they had sent. Angelo had sent two detectives up to uh, Ansonville, uh, Iroquois Falls, and they yeah. arrested him and brought him back down to Timmins. So he was in jail too. So now we got <laughs> Barry's in jail, Morris is in jail, uh, 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 Neil, Neil is in jail. Neil is in jail. Yeah. Okay. I'm just and circling I'm, all the I'm names on here. Heard you going to jail? <laughs> yeah. But I tell uh, Angelo, I said, listen. I think I can retrieve these Bonaire items for you yeah. if you just will drop the charges against, you know, I oh. mean, he, he was told us he was going to charge us with, and I, you know, I mean, like, how, how are you going to prove this? I said that we have that stuff. And he said, well, I don't know, but uh, it must be you guys. Yeah. It says, so anyways, uh, it says, I, made uh, it, I made it. My, my, other, my other musician owes me 500 bucks, so I stuck the, the TV and the radio in the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i was figuring that uh if we if i cracked about the stuff being in roger's car and he went and got it maybe roger would be going to jail too because they think that he had something to do with this they wouldn't know the story about he owed me the car for security so anyways yeah. we, we work out a, a plan here and angelo tells me he says well, he sort of he i think he liked me because i was being honest with him and he wasn't very happy to hear that this guy and Mr. X in the Peacock Gardens there had scammed us. And he was wondering maybe, he was wondering who that guy could possibly be and yeah. why he was involved. Because he knew, you know, he knew all the other players. So he told me, he said, if you can contact the people that have this stuff and you can leave it on the loading dock in South Porcupine uh, where the, at the post office, and I'll have a couple of officers around the corner in a squad car. And you phone me from South Porcupine because that's where our office was. And that's where yeah. I live. And I'll phone them and you disappear and they'll come and pick it up. And I said, well, OK, that works. And, you know, I'm not involved and ho hopefully I won't have to go to jail. So he said, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. He said everything. But he said. I really would like to know who Mr. X is and, and how he's involved in this whole scam. Well, this is the thing I think I, I said to you there earlier. Is this is, okay, so he's going to have a couple officers just sit there on the road waiting for you to go and drop off this stuff there. So then you can see how great our uh, tax dollars are working for for, for people. It's just like, Hey, yeah, well, when you get there, uh, they'll just be sitting there around the corner waiting for you to go and drop this uh, merchandise off. That's their whole job. They're not going to be out there protecting the public. They're just waiting to get this stuff back to the Bonaire where this uh, Bonaire owner 
goes and listens down the uh, the years. <laughs> listen, right? Listen, you, you better it. be careful. You better be careful because his son was like three hundred and twenty pounds, and oh, I yeah. saw him in a fight one night. Yeah, that Barry was in, and he went into the washroom, and he came out with four guys, two in each hand, and yeah. he dragged them outside and threw them out in the snow. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to well, mess we, with that guy. Well, I remember that whole part about that the Carl Forbes story there. That that's another one there that with the winter time with uh you got all uh, nuts and then came in with the pickaxe there and put it through the the stove and that. But that's a story for another time there, people. Yeah, that's, that's another story. Yeah. Well, listen, you you're welcome to have your opinion about the the Timmins police or whatever and protecting sure. the public. All I know is. I, you know, this had nothing to do with me to begin with, except that I gave Barry 200 bucks to get involved in this thing. <laughs> and and uh, this is causing me nothing but grief. And I'm, you know, I, I was on the verge of being in serious trouble. I mean, well, you, at so, least you got to travel across uh, Ontario and down to the States. You, that was, you became a, a world traveler. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate the good wishes. So, uh, finally, uh, you know, I'm in the clear. I'm I'm living my life. My dad says, well, we're going to ship you off up to Moosonee and go and stake some claims up there in the James Bay lowlands. Yeah. Now, that was quite a job. Ch water up to my chest, wading through the swamps. So, finally, after about a week, Ainsworth got out of jail. So, he phones me, and I went and picked him up. And he said, we got to find that Mr. X guy. So we went to the Peacock Gardens that night, and guess what? There was Mr. X with a couple other fellas. And as soon as we walked in and Barry saw him, he ran right over there, and he started calling this guy names. <laughs> like Barry, and like swearing. And I said, and I'm like, Barry, uh, there's three guys there, and there's you and me. So I yeah. don't know. I don't like the odds. So, and, and finally this guy, and Barry was swearing, and finally this guy said, hey, you know what? I'm a police officer and I have the right to arrest you uh, for swearing, in, in, you know, in a public place. Profanity. And uh. I'm like, oh, this guy's a police officer. And it turned out the best we could find out was he was an undercover OPP officer that worked on the gold squad. And they had a rumor uh, came up from Cobalt, I guess, the Timmins that somebody uh -huh. had uh, pilfered these three bags of silver, three sacks of silver, uh, which was, you know, worth a fair bit of money at the time from one yeah. of the mines, and that uh, it was in the Timmins area. So I guess what, the, the only thing I could put together was, I guess, Mr. X schmoozed uh, Morris. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I asked him, I said, well, does this mean we're going to get our money back or what? He says, no, yeah. no, no. Your money's yeah. long gone. He said, you'll never see that money again. So I'm like, okay, Barry, you owe me 200 bucks. <laughs> so out of this whole part there, this is how this whole thing where I, I, I brought the title in there, OPP uh, Buffalo Stakes, because it goes down the Buffalo in that, is that out of this, it was a crooked officer that set up to go and try and make money for, I guess, whatever, his retirement or his nest egg and stuff like that and had concocted this whole thing that you got mixed into by a friend of yours that thought he could make a quick buck. Well, I, I you know, I, I don't know if I buy that part of it. We gave the money. Okay. To we gave the $400 to Morris. Oh, okay, seemed, to Morris. Yeah, he okay. seemed to know. I think this, 
I think the uh, the undercover officer was uh, schmoozing with Morris because why does Morris show up in Timmins with, right. you know, with a gun under his uh, in a holster? Yeah, and, uh, he's. Uh, I think the undercover guy knew that Morris had something to do with these. I still honestly believe that there was were three bags of silver somewhere along the line. I just never got to see. This is the closest I got is my beautiful yeah. sample here. See yeah, that and that's grade, that silver and cobalt in there, right out of the vein. That's yeah, like I sent my big, uh, nice uh, silver sample up to the museum in Snow Lake. So, oh, uh, but the, the thing is that this is okay. Now, if we go to go and critique this whole story, there out of there. So for two hundred bucks. It cost you two two nights in jail, and all that gas money to travel all the way down to Buffalo and back. Well, well, you had to go to Toronto anyways to go buy some instruments. So well, that was... not only that, but I got to see Ronnie Hawkins, my old buddy, oh that yeah, let me and... sleep in his office, and I got to meet Bo Diddley and his sister. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what it is... was sort of it was sort of cool uh, in a way. Yeah. Uh, but, what was Bo Dilly's sister like? Well, they called her. The, I don't. I guess it was a nickname. I don't know. The, the people in the band called her the Duchess. Okay. She was. Uh, I mean, the band was all black. Bo Diddley obviously was black, mm -hmm. and uh, she would sing a couple songs. Yeah. And of course, Ronnie was uh, grooming the Hawks at the time, and yeah. who, who most of them turned out later to be the band. Yeah. The. Uh, I'm sending, I don't know if anybody will hear this and, and phone Ronnie, but I'm sending best wishes to Ronnie. I heard he's, uh, you know, not in the greatest of health, but. Uh, oh, geez, that's too bad to hear. Yeah. Robbie Roberts, he... Robbie Robertson from the band, Ronnie told me there about a month ago, he uh, phones Ronnie every second day and checks on his health. And Wanda, Ronnie's wife, uh, she's mm -hmm. uh, very concerned about him and and uh, her. she and I correspond uh, I've told her stories about David Clayton Thomas and yeah, yeah. Hey, they know they know all the musicians. Ronnie, you know, Ronnie was from Arkansas, but he was a, a big deal in. Uh, and I just met somebody the other day, and they said, "Hey, Ronnie Hawkins has a beautiful, beautiful farm or whatever, a, ca a cabin, whatever, and down around Peterborough." Okay. Good for good for him. I'm happy for him. Mm hmm. Because he, he's a really good guy. We'd go to Toronto and we didn't have much money, the yeah. band. And what money we did have, we had to buy clothes up at Yorkville Village. We, yeah. had, we had to eat. We had yeah. to, uh, you know, do the things that bands do, drink a few mm -hmm. beers in the, in, the, in the bar. And uh, yeah. But on the other hand, you know, a motel, like hotel rooms cost money. So Ronnie yeah. said, you can crash in my office. Yeah. So that, 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 that's what you talked about there. And then for people that are listening there, uh, Yorkville is the really uppity part. There is a uh, young and uh, blur street to the Northwest. I used to live in the annex off of uh, DuPont street and uh, which was just over. So I was right on the cusp of Yorkville and uh, the annex and the annex was sort of like the lower part. And that's where all the college university people were sort of uh, staying there. And but uh, Yorkville was uh totally uh, it was a trendy, class. trendy, a trendy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, all everybody, the clubs were there. Gordon Lightfoot used to sing at, oh, the, yeah, yeah, at the one it, club, and uh, Joni Mitchell, and, and yeah, 
that that whole scenario there spawned a, a whole bunch of bands. Mm -hmm. So just to finish this story off, yeah, uh, we discussed that earlier. Was Carl and I were uh, up on Trollope Lake, right on the border of Quebec, and I had and Ontario, uh, north of Timmins, and I had a crew in there staking. We were staking about uh, four hundred claims on a big uh, a triangular geological structure that. Uh, one of the geologists had called uh, the results of toilet bowl uh, tectonics. Right, right. It, it sort of like, you know, it was like a toilet bowl. And he, he said everything got flushed down. And I'm like, okay, well, sounds wild to me. But uh -huh. so Carl and I went in there in our skidoos. We had a skirmish with a couple of uh, OPPs and uh, game warden. They, uh, we, we weren't wearing helmets. And uh, they admonished us for that. <laughs> and when we we used to have a camp on Charlotte Lake when we were drilling in there, yeah. And at one time, they, the only way in there was to fly in, and uh, I almost got killed in a in a plane incident there. But that'll be another story too. And yeah. We saw some ice fishermen people out on the lake, so we went over there, and lo and behold, it was Barry's sister from Timmins. And I said, uh, I knew her, and I said, How are you doing? She was with her husband and I think one or two of their kids. And yeah. uh, I said, uh, have you hear from Barry at all? Or, you know, what's what's happening? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, oh, by the way, he owes me 200 bucks. Uh, <laughs> that I'll probably never see. And she said, well, you will n probably never see it because to the best of our knowledge, Barry was running, uh, managing a hotel somewhere in South America. And he got involved in a drug deal down there and apparently he got uh, killed. Wow. That was according to his sister. So I don't know. I guess I'm just out 200 bucks. That's all. Yeah. Well, if you, you put the interest on that, that's probably 2 million now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you do it, by the way, the Canadian government uh, charges uh, taxes on uh, stuff there. <laughs> you go like this. You owe $100 this day and then two days later, you owe 400 <laughs> that's, that's... I was at a Flin Flon reunion. Of yeah. course, Flin Flon's well known for the. Have we got a few minutes yet? Oh yeah, we still got uh, yeah about three minutes there left. The Flin Flon Bombers hockey team, and there was yeah. a defenseman played there by the name of Bill Dobbin. And when I was mm -hmm. a young kid, about ten years old, I used to deliver papers, and so I used to deliver my papers to their door. And every time I'd go deliver another paper, the papers would always be gone. And then I would knock on the door and I would say, collect, time to collect. And I could hear them talking inside there. It must be the paper boy. Uh, be quiet and he'll go away. Yeah. So I wrote that in a story for a magazine up there, uh, Cottage North. And one of the other bomber hockey players, I think it was Carl Forrester, he saw that and he told Bill Dobbin that I, I had said in my story that Dobbin and his buddy still owed me five bucks for delivering these papers to them. Right, right. Papers, papers <laughs> were like 10 cents a piece. And yeah. so I get up to Flin Flon. I'm talking to Gus Gillies there, my old buddy. And there's this guy in his late 80s. And, uh, but he looked pretty rangy. And I, I don't know. He still looked like he was capable. And he came up to me and he said, are you uh, Jamie, James E. Paris? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he said, well, he said, I wasn't too happy about you writing that story in Cottage North magazine about mm -hmm. how I owed you five bucks. 
And yeah. I said, well, I don't care if you're really that happy or not, because you still, you still owe me five bucks. Five bucks. <laughs> and he said, he said, you know what? We're going to settle this right now. So I'm figuring, well, I better you know, give him a boot or a punch yeah. or whatever. And he pulls out his wallet and he's only got 10 bucks. Yeah. And so he says, here, this will even up the, the five bucks. And yeah. I said, yeah, well, with, with interest, it'd be a little more than 10 bucks. No, no, yeah. he says, I'm only giving you five bucks. You got to give me five bucks back. My, I want my change or else. <laughs> so luckily, uh, I think Gus had uh, some money on him and he gave me, changed a $10 bill and I gave Bill Dobbin back his other $5 and everybody was happy. <laughs> that's awesome. Only well, gonna... Flynn flying, right, Dell? Yeah, that's it. The, 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 all these little small towns across uh, northern Canada and uh, northern Manitoba, you meet the most <clears throat> interesting people. We talked about the uh, the guitar player that lived in his uh, parents' uh, clothing store in Flin Flon, Manitoba. That you left me. His name that you left Tony you Tony. left me with for like about three hours, and he <laughs> he was and he was playing. And he says, "Hey, we're gonna play you a song," and uh, and I was like, oh, "Okay, this is interesting." And after twenty five minutes, says. Okay, that's the intro. I went, <laughs> what? Oh my God. It says, I thought we were going to jam out together and he's just going and playing. I said, okay, well, that's what happens when you make your own uh, LSD. I guess you sort of uh, get lost in your uh, your own world or whatever he was making there. He, said, he told me that the song was called Icicles Melting or something. Yeah, Icicles Melting. That Yeah, that was the intro. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it had to go through all the rest of the seasons. Hey, we'll so, have to, uh, the, the Barry Hoglander story, we'll have to tap into that sometime. Oh, for sure there. Jim, I want to thank you very much for being a, a great guest and uh, for coming back on again there. Because I know I love all these stories and I think these stories are great. And I think these stories are just interesting and they're, they're out there. And you know what? I love them all. And I think they just all be just should be saved out there. So... Well, I'm not too happy about telling the story how how stupid I was to lend Barry Ainsworth two hundred bucks. So uh, you I, know I, what? That's that's what you you live in you live and let live or live and let live and learn. There you go. Barry and Dave the drummer. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Right, so you're welcome. You're welcome. Jim, I'll have you back on again there in the in the near future. And uh, you know what? This has been the delicious recipe. We got the red pill news, I think, with uh, Michael Angley there coming up after uh, this. And you know what? This is a Thursday. Look at all this stuff. There's there's so much more stuff out there, people, to, to listen to. And I hope you enjoy. And thousand you know claims. What? I just staked a thousand claims at Geraldton. There you go. Cool yeah. Coming up. Buy 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 computer. <laughs> okay so good night everybody we'll see you all there uh, next thursday 7 p.m eastern here on uprn the delicious recipe okay send me the link when you get around to